So we're here in our room. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. Club bed. Yeah, club club bed. Casper, if you're listening. We could really use a new mattress. We're taking donations. This IKEA mattress needs to get burned. <laughs> um, we are full of Indian food. Yeah, that's good. We both have a beer. Mine is slightly better than yours. It's not, but okay. <laughs> They're both, they are both wintery beers, though. That, okay, fine. True. N- no one cares. Uh, so. I mean, I don't know. A lot of podcasts talk about what they're drinking at the beginning of it. Well, we can edit all this out anyways. No, I don't edit things, Michael. You know that. We'll fix it in post. All right, go ahead. So this is the first of what I'm calling a murder-free mini-sode, which doesn't mean that there's no crime. There definitely is an attempted murder, but um, this one's a little bit unique. An almost murder. It Yeah, it is an almost murder, um, but it's also a really, really interesting crime in which um, the predator is the victim and the victim is the perpetrator. So that that will make a lot more sense um, in just a tiny bit. I hope so, because as your co-host, I did not understand it at all. (laughs) Um, So uh, just before we start, I'd like to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, As per usual, if you want to contact us, you can reach us at detectivesocietypod at gmail.com or at the detective pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to thank the two people in the whole wide world who reviewed us on iTunes. Um, so I guess the first person's name is Trying to 100, who says we're a solid crime podcast. Cool. And then the second person is a name that I cannot pronounce that says Great Crime Podcast. So that's really exciting. Solid and great. So I'd say we're probably a good pro- crime podcast then, you know, averaging those two reviews together. Yeah, you, you, you just take an, uh, an average and then figure out the deviation from the mean. Yeah, and measure the radius, you know, relating to the sun or what. I was never good at math. <laughs> okay, um, so before we start, I just want to give a quick um, trigger warning. We will be talking about uh, sexual abuse against children, um, which I'm sure is everyone's favorite topic. So we're going to be talking about the case of Dante Stokes. Um, now, it's spelt D-O-N-T-E, D-O-N-T-E-E, double E at the end. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if it's pronounced Dante or Dante. I'm going to probably pronounce it both ways in the podcast. <laughs> um, please don't get mad. Um, I'm furious. Yes. So uh, I guess we'll just start from the very beginning. Uh, Dante Stokes was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. His family was Catholic um, and pretty religious from everything that I can tell. Uh, they came from a really close-knit community. So when he was two years old, he was baptized by Father Maurice Blackwell, who would later become kind of a mentor for Dante. Um, okay. he, influential person in his life. Yeah, definitely. He really grew up loving the church um, and being really, really active in the church. He was so active in the church that he actually considered becoming a priest when he was older. According to all accounts, while he was growing up, Father Blackwell actually referred to him as his son. They, they had a, a really, really close relationship. So Stokes actually became a leader in a youth group, and that's when 
Father Blackwell started asking him to stay after hours at the church, which means that they worked really, really close together. And according to to Dante, um, the abuse started out really, really small and progressive, which is kind of what you see in these kind of cases where there's been a lot of grooming over time. It never starts with full-blown sexual abuse. It, it's always just little stuff that escalates over time. There does seem to be a sometimes a con thread there where you said he was a mentor and for me that knowing you know what our show is about like started and having listened to the episode you did last week with Ariane sitting off alarm bells it's just it seems you know they they build this trust and almost a, a dependency with that trust that they can you know well, yeah, because you, you learn to, to respect and love this person. And then when they start doing something to you that you don't think is right, you start second-guessing yourself and thinking, well... You must be doing something. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's me. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read a quote from Dante. Uh, he says... There would be maybe a hug that would last a little longer than I thought it would or thought it should... It would get to the point where it was just well beyond where I was comfortable to just be overtly sexual in nature. Um, And then it progressed to full-on rapes. Um, According to Dante, uh, he would later say, a man violated me and it's hard to live with. Knowing that you've been violated by a man, you know, you really don't have anything left after that. Oh, wow. That is... um that's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's it, it's it's an extremely sad story. And so as with most of these cases, um, and I should say that the abuse started uh, around when Dante was 13 or 14. So he was a young man, but he obviously started acting out. And to his to the credit of his mother, um, this was the late 80s slash early 90s. She, she put him in therapy. Um, which I think is really progressive and, and wonderful. And I think everyone should go to therapy. <laughs> I Not just because you've been in trauma. I think it is really beneficial for everyone. Um, so it came out in one of his therapy sessions that after three years of abuse, he confided in a therapist and told them what was happening to him, that he was being raped by this older man who should have been protecting him and guiding him and who was preying on him. And obviously the therapist told him basically, I am required to go to the authorities with this. No, that's an area of law that is different in from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Some therapists and in some parts of the country, you are required not to tell anyone because of the confidentiality of your client. And then other jurisdictions you are like you said required to report these things and can be charged with crimes i think uh, like obstruction of justice and stuff like that for not reporting i think every therapist should have to go to the authorities if a child is being abused that's my personal opinion like i i just think the idea that you have to keep this client privilege even if they're a child and even if they're being literally raped by an adult, I think is like something horrible to think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess the ideal situation in 
and where you you're keeping the confidentiality of your clients that you encourage them to go to the authority figures, not as a therapist, you go yourself. I assume that's what the thinking is there. Well, either way, his therapist let him know what they'd have to do because then Dante would have to basically tell the authority, exactly. like corroborate the story, um, which which he did. To his credit, he was extremely brave and he told police what was going on and police looked into it. Detectives discovered that there were actually rumors all over the parish about this particular priest, which is really, really unsettling, but didn't find anyone else who would come forward so there are lots of rumors but no one else willing to stand up and say I was also abused by the the priest yep and there's no physical evidence so guess who everyone believed the respected figure in the community yep the priest basically the church rallied around Father Blackwell and treated Dante Stokes like a complete outcast. So this kid had been raised in the church. He'd trusted the people he was supposed to trust, basically did everything that you would hope a kid would do, confide in a therapist, go to the police, and then he was treated like a piece of trash. Yes. (sighs) It's really upsetting. (laughs) Um, So afterwards, Dante basically stopped coming around the church he withdrew into himself father blackwell denied molesting him or abusing him at all but he was sent to a psychiatric facility where he was treated um with a number of priests for sexual misconducts and then yep and then sent right back to his church 90 days later uh wow okay so He's not been charged with anything. The community is backing him as you know for his innocence, and in the meantime, the pair or the the diocese in the area is sending him and I guess other priests who were accused of this kind of stuff. Yep. To like a ninety day boot camp, like a don't molest people boot camp. Yeah, and then sent back with a clean bill of health, basically saying that he was quote not a danger to young men. Well, that that sounds reassuring. Well, it's not reassuring because in 1998, someone else accused him of raping them. And this time, again, police looked into it, found that there was no physical evidence, no one else who had come forward, and he was let go again. And then this time they took him out of that particular church, but they moved him to a different parish. So he was still... He still had access to children. He still had access to families. And... No one was doing anything about it. And this was something that I think was really exposed in the early to mid-2000s, but we're talking about the late 80s, early 90s, and then late 90s. Like, this was not really the, on anyone's radar yet. The American Catholic Church and the the, the the sexual abuse scandals were really, yeah, they blew up really in the early 2000s is when this became, you know, a, a topic that everyone became familiar. It was on the nightly news and kind of stuff like that. It had been going on in this country and around the world, most likely for, I mean, possibly as long as there's been priests. Most likely. Ugh, that's, ugh, that makes me, like, sick to think about. Um, and the, like we've discussed, these are trusted figures in the community. And so you have one teenager 
and normally in these cases you see that like these men or people will target these young individuals who are troubled or don't have a lot of support system around them so it's easy to discredit them and have everyone rush to your aid when you can just you know when you are the respected figure and they're just you know, some lost child and something that should be said as well is that this was all going on in the black community in baltimore where it's there's even more stigma surrounding a young man being raped by an older man there's a lot of social pressure just to not talk about it and that's it's just I can't understand how isolating that might that must be like Dante it sounds like he worked really hard to move past it he became a barber he started a family um, and then later on so as we were just speaking about in the early and mid 2000s there was kind of this exposing across the country of child sex abuse in the Catholic faith and by yeah. priests. I mean, for, from Donna's perspective, the thing that he was brave enough to come forward and talk about and that, as you said, there were whispers and murmurs about in the community was now, you know, on display for everyone to see. So in the early 2000s, when some of this was coming to light, Dante thought again, something's going to happen. Someone's going to do something. Yeah. But Blackwell was still a priest. He was still practicing. He was still leading a parish. And by all accounts, he was extremely popular. And that's what that is the thing about some of these like sick people is that they're also like narcissists. They're also like master manipulators. So they are these really popular individuals who everyone says like, no, he would never do that. And then that discredits the victims even more because we're blinded by charm as human beings. So, in May of 2002, uh, Dante has a chance encounter on the street where he runs into Blackwell, and he loses it. He tries to confront him in the streets. He's publicly accusing him. This is after years. He's an adult now, and this is after years of therapy and trying to get past this, and then he sees his accuser on the street, and what does this dude do? What does this priest who raped this young boy do? He laughs at him. I, I don't even know what to say. Like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? I just... If, if you tuned in today and heard that it was a mini-episode murder-free and thought, oh, maybe it'll be a lighthearted romp. No. It's <laughs> not. It's really not. And, uh, I'm sorry. You tuned into the wrong podcast. Yeah. I just... That got to me. Like, I... I oh, my God. Let's go on with the story. Well, okay. So, what happens next is kind of unclear, but... He laughed at the wrong victim because Dante has a gun. And it is unclear whether this was premeditated, why he was carrying a firearm um, that he had illegally obtained. Okay. This was not something that he'd gotten legally. Um, And he shoots him down in the street. I can't say that I would not have done the same thing. Because it's an insane, horrible situation to find yourself in. But it was not a good situation by any means. Um, Dante flees the scene. He's still a deeply religious man and basically runs to 
a local church where he immediately confesses to to a priest. He says, uh, he, he told the minister, I, I told him I would turn myself in because I did something wrong. He asked me what, and I told him I'd shot a priest. At that point, Stokes volunteers and goes to the police and tells them that he shot Blackwell. And actually, um, this guy, Father Johnson, who was the priest that he confessed to, says he was very calm. He was well within his mind. He valiantly and courageously said, I must give an account for what I have done. And I just want to say, like, I'm getting like really misty eyed right now because this is a person who was a victim for years and years of this predator who who is a human being. So he felt guilt and remorse for something that he had done, thinking he had killed this guy. And this other monster who rapes children feels no remorse and laughs at his victims. Yeah. So, obviously, he's gone to the police. He turned himself in. And later that, so he has shot Father Blackwell three times. He believes that he's killed Father Blackwell. Well, guess what? Oh, okay, so... So I also assumed he had killed Flop. Nope, this piece of garbage is laid up in the hospital acting like a victim. You actually have in your your show notes, you refer to him as, uh, is that evil pig in all caps? (laughs) It is evil pig in all caps. Um, He's in the hospital. He's still very much alive. But that means, and I kind of love this, I feel that this is like the, the best revenge story. It means that he must, as the victim, must face his attacker in court. Okay. So now we have someone who is a sexual predator, Mm -hmm. who is the victim in this case. Yes. Who is facing his victim, who is the perpetrator who shot him. So Dante is tried for murder. Attempted murder. Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. Attempted murder. Um, Father Blackwell chooses to plead the fifth. He does not testify at the trial for his own shooting, um, which I find to be so unsatisfactory. Let me me ask you something. Okay. I think that you know how this story is going to play out. I actually don't. I, I, there are a number of ways in where I see this going down, and there are, I think, the morally just ways, and I'm pretty skeptical that that's what's going to win out in the end. So guess what? I think the fact that he pled the fifth, that, uh, to, like, on recounting the tale of how he got shot is just so telling. Well, there, there are plenty of witnesses. It is not in... It, no one is debating whether or not Dante Stokes shot him. Yes, well, so from a legal standpoint, if you're Dante's attorney, what you're going to try to do is prove that this is not a premeditated crime, it's not murder one, it's that kind of thing. It's that, so basically what you need to do is get that priest on the stand so he can try, you can try to get him to slip up and admit that like, oh no, I abused this boy for sure. And like that is what helped drive him to commit this crime against me. Which I assume why his attorneys and, and the state don't want Blackwell on the stand. Okay. So now... So I'm going to read to you a little bit about this trial. Okay. Don't look at my notes. I... I, I see you over there looking at my notes. I, I want you to be... I can't even read. I want you to, I want you to hear from me. Never learned how to read. Okay. 
The emotionally charged trial, which saw jurors, the prosecutors, and defense lawyer all weep openly in court, included drama rarely seen in a Baltimore courtroom, a priest on the stand refusing to testify, and Stokes' claims to the jury that he shot the clergyman during an out-of-body experience. At one point last week, Dante's lawyer told the press, I put the state on trial, the church on trial, and Blackwell on trial. The Dante who pulled the trigger was their creation. If they had prosecuted Maurice Blackwell, we wouldn't be here. Yep. That's, that's, that's good attorney work. So guess what? What? Not guilty. Nice. I, I, what, I, what, is it just not guilty? Do we have like not guilty on the grounds of? No. Okay. So listen. Okay. So the jurors had like a bunch of options of what they could find him guilty or not guilty yes. for. The judge usually sits them down and says, you know, these are you. You guys have to go and deliberate, but you have to make one of these sets of decisions. So they find him not guilty on any counts of attempted murder. What they do find him guilty of is I think it's obtaining a firearm the illegally. firearm. Yes, which it, it was like the least, yeah, yeah, least severe thing that they could find him guilty of. And they actually, it's like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm really tearing up over here. Even when they found him guilty of that, the jurors wrote a handwritten note to the judge asking for leniency. Which means that Dante Stokes has the most badass revenge story that I have ever heard of. I want someone to make this into a movie. He's a boy who is abused, who is raped by someone who he trusted, who years later is a father, who is, if you see pictures, Google Dante Stokes, if you see pictures of him, he is so... He's such a, like, beautiful angel. He has, like, a beautiful, big, white smile. He rocks this, like, amazing hat on the day of his trial. Like, he's he's amazing and is a national hero. Um, guns down his rapist in the street and then gets to walk away with his head held high because at the end of the day, the judge was like, oh, no, 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 I agree with the jury. You get probation. That is a nice hat. I know. It's so nice. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, now back to the good stuff. Oh, let me tell you about this out-of-body experience. When Dante shot Blackwell, he claimed that he could see himself lifting the gun and, like, thought to himself the whole time, like, stop, 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 stop. What are you doing? And so I think that there was, like, a case made that he was not in his right mind. Yeah. But at the end of the day... He is found not guilty of attempted murder. He gets probation. And later that year, Blackwell is tried for the mol- for the molestation of Dante Stokes, found guilty. Hold on. That guilty verdict is overturned. Wait, what? It's overturned by the judge because I don't think he had, um, what, what is it called when they don't have, like, the defense team kind of drops the ball? I don't. Adequate representation. But then... Oh, you mean Blackwell didn't have adequate yeah. representation. Okay, okay. But then, three years later, 2005, they're still working on this case. Boom. Convicted again of molesting Dante Stokes. So Dante Stokes, if you ask me, has the ultimate comeback story. This guy is, after all these years of waiting, convicted not once, but twice. 
his 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 abuser is. Yes. I mean, there's some like really, really wonderful stuff that said after this trial, his mother, who always remained a very spiritual woman, said not one man of faith stood behind my son when he accused Blackwell of raping him. And now, like, we have our justice. I just love it. I just love this story. I know that it's a real downer, but I just... There's some... I think that there are a lot of really unsatisfying endings for children who are abused and... Well, I mean... People who grow up in dysfunctional situations. I mean, there's there's an unsatisfying ending for the entire... Catholic Church scandal that went down in, in this era. I mean, Stokes is the exception. Yeah, it's true. To these cases, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, the justice that was served. I mean, and it wasn't served easily, and it, it took. It took years. It took, like, it took- having a, like a mental break and shooting a man in the street for like justice to finally happen. It took him taking justice into his own damn hands. Yeah. Because without him, literally without him shooting Blackwell, who knows? Blackwell goes on to molest and rape how many other children. He could still be practicing. I just love it. I think that when a wrong is done and the police won't help you, you got to go Batman on the situation. The Detective Society podcast does not advocate for vigilante justice. (laughs) Okay, yeah, don't like go, don't rise up in the street. And get street justice, people. I'm just saying, Dante Stokes is a badass. I mean, I'd see that movie. Oh, I would definitely see that movie. It would be a... I think I we mean, should be, write that movie. It would be brutal. I mean, I, I, I can't read, remember? Oh, I forgot you couldn't... I forgot about the illiteracy. <laughs> well, well, we'll edit that out in post. I don't edit. I'm tired of telling you this. Okay, so Blackwell is sent to jail. Is he still in jail today, or did he? Has he died in jail? He is in jail. Oh, nice. He is in jail, where he belongs. Yeah. What a monster. Yeah. And then just the that that you're right. That part is what's gonna stick with me. Is laughing in your accuser's face like that? Like just the just compassion. Like just the cold. Like ability just to, yeah, I can't. It's that that I, I find that part somehow the most disturbing. I I just think like any person would have snapped. Yeah, and if Donnie didn't have a gun, it was gonna be his bare hands that day. Yeah, that's what mine. That's what would have happened to me. Either that or like my dogs and I would have had some kind of psychic connection, and they would have gone nuts on him. <laughs> They're clearly well, so vicious over I mean, here asleep in our bed. It's funny because the vicious one is the one that's 20 pounds, so. <laughs> hey, Bill. Oh, my God. She just gave me such a dirty look. She, she throws shade. Like, how dare you wake me she from my napping. nap? She was midnight. I know. She was really luxuriating. Anyway. Michael. Natalie. Anything left to say on the case of Dante Stokes? No. I mean, other than that's a that whole era and that's still ongoing with the Catholic Church is that's going to be a black stain for a long time. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, but honestly, I don't think that there's a jury in the world that would have convicted Dante Stokes. And I think, I mean, a ton of credit to Stokes's lawyer. Oh that my god, was. yeah. Cuz the move to to put Blackwell on the stand to try to illustrate how Dante got to this point. It's a win-win because either he 
incriminates himself. Either he pleads the fifth like he did, or maybe he talks his way out of this. But at this point, Blackwell's been accused multiple times. He's been moved around by the church. He went to pedophile boot camp. And then keep in mind, all of this went down in the street in on, in broad daylight in yep. front of a bunch of people. They yep. all saw Blackwell laugh in this man's face. And it's 2002. The, the jury, the idea is like you're going to jury that's not tainted by what's going on in the news in the world, but... It's impossible This kind of church scandal is breaking. Like, people are hearing and talking about it. Ain't it the truth? Justice for Dante. Justice for Dante Stokes. You're an American hero. Okay, anyway, um, this has been Detective Society, murder-free minisode. You can reach us at DetectiveSocietyPod at gmail.com or at the Detective Pod at uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm Natalie Levy. I'm Michael Costa. Uh, stay, stay cool. Stay classy. <laughs> and be sure to, uh, to give us a, a rating on iTunes. I oh, guess. that was the last one. Yeah. <laughs> Please rate and review on Good, iTunes. Good, bad, indifferent. Just want to pop in and say I like the way your dogs sound. You could even, if you'd like, you can just give five stars to Dante Stokes as a human being. I'll take credit for that. I mean, you probably shouldn't, though. Okay, I okay, I won't, but, like, I could. And one more disclaimer. Yes. The Detective Society is not telling you to take vigilante justice in the streets. But... If you do, we won't, like, say... You know what? We've dug our hole, Michael. We've dug our hole. Go full Batman, people. We're on a watch list now. Go for it. I'm proud of you. Bye, guys.